Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Journey of the Bride. This is part two of the series. So once we had this marriage between Adam and Eve in the garden, which spiritually foreshadowed and prophesied of the marriage of Messiah to his bride, as Paul explained in Ephesians chapter 5, that Adam and Eve were disobedient to the God of Israel, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, we're told in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, so he drove out the man. So the phrase drove out is the Strong's number 1644 in the Strong's Hebrew dictionary, and it's the Hebrew word garash, which means to drive out, to expel, to cast out, to put away, to divorce. So since there was a marriage between Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were not only to be faithful to one another, but they were to be obedient to the God of Israel. In their disobedience, then they were cast out of the garden, or they were divorced from the garden of Eden. They were exiled. So marital unfaithfulness results in exile from the God of Israel, which means you're without his presence, you're without his covering. And his presence and his covering is his glory, so you're without his glory. So what do we see here is some of the consequences of sin. Sin results in spiritual nakedness. Sin will result in the God of Israel hiding his face. And sin results in separation separation, exile, or divorce from the God of Israel and his presence. But the God of Israel desires that there be restoration and reconciliation. And we can see this from what we're told as an outcome of Adam and Eve being driven out of the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, it is written, So he drove out or divorced or exiled the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so the word flaming sword is the Strong's number 2719 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, and it's the Hebrew word cherub. And this same word is used 
in Joshua chapter 5 verse 2 and in Joshua chapter 5 verse 2 carob is it's translated as a sharp knife and the use of the sharp knife the carob was to circumcise the children of Israel and so carob means a sword a knife it's a cutting instrument and so if we take this understanding back to the word in Genesis chapter 3 verse 24 we can render it as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He exiled or divorced the man, but the carob, the flaming sword, which is an instrument that is used in Joshua chapter 5 verse 2 for circumcision, that it turned, which you can see in the Hebrew language, this is a reference to repentance, that it would be through this means that there would be restoration, repentance, and change of heart would be the means by which the God of Israel would permit the restoration, reconciliation, and return to a place of paradise, to turn every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So we can see scripturally that the way that we return to the God of Israel after we break the covenant and are unfaithful, after we go our own way, after we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, after we live after the world, the world system, and be a part of Babylon, that we need to repent, and in repenting, we need to be given a new heart. So restoration comes by a circumcised heart through the redemptive work of Yeshua the Messiah. We can see this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, as it is written, a new heart will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. And what is the purpose of the indwelling Holy Spirit? To cause you to walk in my statutes, to keep my judgments, and to do them. If we examine this verse in Hebrew, where we have the translation that a flaming sword, which was an instrument used in circumcision, which turned, which is a reference to the concept of repenting, that Repentance and a circumcised heart is the way to return to the tree of life. And in the Hebrew, it says, Aleph Tav, the way to the tree of life. And Aleph Tav, Derek, Eitz, Hachaim, which is the way to the tree of life. What's the tree of life? The tree of life is obeying the Torah of the God of Israel. So Aleph Tav is a reference to Yeshua, because in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. In Hebrew, I'm the Aleph and the Tav. So Yeshua, the Aleph and the Tav, and through his work is the way that restoration comes in the way that there is a return to the tree of life. So Revelation chapter 1 verse 5, it says, And from Yeshua HaMashiach, the faithful witness, Revelation chapter 1 verse 8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So Yeshua is the Aleph and the Tav, and through the Aleph and Tav is the way to the tree of life. 
the restoration that ultimately the fullness of the restoration is things will be in eternity like they were in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. Now, we are going to look at the first word in the Bible in Hebrew. Now, in English, the first word of the Bible in Hebrew is three English words in the beginning. But in Hebrew, it's one word. It's breshit. And we're going to look at the word breshit. And through that one word, we're going to get insight regarding the purpose of creation and Yeshua's desire to have a bride and to enter into covenant or marriage relationship with her wherein he's going to desire of her that she keep his Torah. So in a Torah scroll, the first letter of the first word of the Bible, that is Breshit, the first letter is the Bet or Bet, that is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, that in a Torah scroll, the Bet is enlarged. And so Bet, or you can pronounce it Bet in Hebrew, means a house. And so from the first letter in the Bible, and looking at the Hebrew, given that it's enlarged, it's going to cause you to ask the question, why is the size of that letter larger than the normal Hebrew letters in the Torah scroll? And the indication is that the reason for the creation of the heavens and the earth is that the God of Israel wanted to have a house. And then if we look at the first letter of the first word of the Bible, the first word Breshit, the first letter is a bet, and then the second letter is a resh. And if we put Bet and Resh together, we have the word Bar, which means son in Aramaic. And so this gives us a hint or a clue that the God of Israel wanted to build a house for his son. Now, if we take the first letter of the first word of the Bible, the Bet, and then the second letter, the Resh, and then combine it with the last two letters of the first word, Breshit, the last two letters in Hebrew are the Yod and the Tav. And so we put these four letters together and we got the word Brit. And Brit in Hebrew means a covenant. So we can see the God of Israel wanted to have a house for his son. And the way in which that house is going to be established was through covenant. This covenant is going to be with Israel, his bride. And so now if we separate the first letter of the first word of the Bible, the first word Breshit, the first letter's bet. The rest of the word we have is Reshit. And Reshit in Hebrew means the beginning or the first. And so grammatically, you can read this as saying for beginning or for the sake of the beginning. And it's rendered in English as in the beginning. And so in Hebrew, you can read it as for the sake of the beginning. So creation was for the sake of the beginning. So in order to understand who the Bible refers or calls as the beginning, we're going to begin to make a connection to see who and how the Bible refers to as being 
the beginning. Now, the first thing we want to see in establishing this connection and this relationship is from Proverbs in chapter 2, the Torah is called wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you. So the subject is my word or my commandments or my Torah. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2, so that you incline your ear unto wisdom. So my words or my commandments or my Torah is called wisdom as well as understanding. So now we can see in Proverbs chapter 3 how the Torah is called wisdom as well. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, my son, forget not my Torah, that your heart keep my commandments. So my, my Torah is my commandments. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. So the Torah of the commandments is wisdom and understanding. And then Proverbs chapter 3, verse 18, she is a tree of life. So the Torah is a tree of life. Wisdom is a tree of life. Torah is a she because the A-H ending in Hebrew is feminine. And so the word in Hebrew is a she. Wisdom in Hebrew is hakmah. It ends in A-H. It is a she. So the Torah is wisdom. Wisdom is the Torah. The Torah is a tree of life. Wisdom is a tree of life. And so we're told in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19 that wisdom created the world. The Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding has he established the heavens. So the Torah is wisdom and wisdom created the world. And so it was through the wisdom of the Torah by which the world was created. Now, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, that Yeshua is the wisdom of God, as it is written. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Messiah, the power of God, the wisdom of God. So the Torah is wisdom, Yeshua is wisdom, and we can see that Yeshua, wisdom, created the heavens and the earth. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, as it is written, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, that is the image of the invisible God, that is Yeshua, by him were all things created, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So in Proverbs, we're told that wisdom created the world. In Psalm chapter 33, verse 6 and verse 9, we're told that the word of God created the world. Proverbs chapter 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breadth of his mouth. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So wisdom created the world. The word of the Lord created the world. And the word of the Lord is the Torah, and the Torah is wisdom. So Torah, or the word of God, in wisdom, created the world. And Yeshua is wisdom. So Yeshua created the world. And the means by which Yeshua created the world is through the Torah. And so we can see the oneness then associated with Torah, wisdom, and Yeshua. And from this, the world was created. Now, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 22 and 23 tells us that wisdom existed before the creation of the world. The Lord possessed me. This is wisdom speaking. Wisdom 
Adam in the beginning of his way, before his works of old, that is before the creation of the heavens and the earth. So the Lord possessed wisdom before he created the heavens and the earth. It says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 23, I, wisdom, was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was, that is, the creation of the heavens and the earth. So wisdom existed before the creation of the world. The Torah is wisdom, so the Torah existed before the creation of the world. Yeshua is wisdom, so Yeshua existed before the creation of the world. And the first word of the Bible, Breshit, you can take and separate in Hebrew grammar, the bet from the rest of the word Reshit, you can read it for the sake of the beginning. So the world was created for the sake of the beginning, but who is the beginning? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 3, Israel is called the Reshit, or the beginning, as it is written. Israel was holiness unto the Lord in the first fruits of his increase. So the King James trans lights the Hebrew word reshit, the Strong's number 7225, as first fruits. And the King James translates Proverbs chapter 8 verse 22, the Hebrew word reshit, as being the beginning. As it is written, the Lord possessed me, that is wisdom speaking, in the reshit of his way. So the Torah is called the beginning. And in the book, In the Garden of Torah by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, he explains the following principle. As the rabbis teach, creation is for the sake of the Torah, which is referred to as the beginning. And so Israel and Torah and Yeshua are going to be one and linked and associated with each other because we're going to see that in reference to the first word of the Bible, Breshit, which our English translations renders as in the beginning. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Yeshua, the word of God, which created the world, is called the beginning. In Reshit, or you can say beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same beginning was with God. So Yeshua is the Reshit. Yeshua is the beginning. So the world was created for the sake of the beginning. And who did we see here is defined as being the beginning? It's Israel, Torah, and the Messiah. So the purpose of creation is that Israel, Torah, and the Messiah would be in covenant with each other. So if we break down the first word of the Bible into different component parts, the first word, Breshit, it can be understood and rendered this way, that the God of Israel wanted to build a house, that's the enlarged bet, for his son, that's the first two letters of the first word, bar, which in Aramaic means son. He wanted to build a house for his son, and the way that he was going to do that is through covenant. That is taking the first two letters of the first word of the Bible, Breshit, the first two letters being the bet and the resh, combining it with the last two letters of Breshit, that is the yod, Matav, it forms the Hebrew word Bri, which means covenant. He wanted to build a house for his son by making a covenant. And now if you separate the first letter of the first word, that is the bet from the rest of the word, what 
you have is Reshit. Reshit means the beginning. So the God of Israel wanted to build a house for his son by making a covenant for or with the beginning, and the beginning is Israel toward the Messiah. And so that is the beginning would be in covenant with each other, the beginning being Israel toward the Messiah. So the purpose of creation would be realized when there's a covenant that was made with the beginning. This covenant was made at Mount Sinai, and in making this covenant, the Creator, Yeshua the Messiah, entered into a marriage covenant with his bride, the nation of Israel, at Mount Sinai, and this relationship was based upon Yeshua's bride following and keeping his Torah, which the Torah is personified in the Garden of Eden as a tree of life. So we see the spiritual picture of the purpose of creation. We see the spiritual picture of the deeper meaning of the marriage of Adam and Eve in the garden. It personifies the marriage between Messiah and his people, Messiah and his bride. And we're going to see that Abraham is going to represent or personify the calling of Yeshua's bride to leave the world, the world system, to to leave Babylon and to follow the voice or the leading of Yeshua, who is going to be the bridegroom of Yeshua's bride, of which Abraham personifies. So the bride of Yeshua is called out of the world, called out of Babylon. And the Greek word for being called out is ecclesia or ecclesia. And so the bride of Messiah is called out of Babylon, called out of Egypt, called out of the world and seeks to follow after Yeshua, who is the bridegroom of his bride. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, get you out of your country and from your kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. So what is happening here when actually it's Yeshua who is commissioning Abraham, who's going to personify and represent Yeshua's bride, to leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house. This is your known world. This is your world of comfort. So the bride is being asked to leave a place of comfort, to leave the known for the unknown. And a female desires that she have security. It's one of her greatest needs in life is to feel a sense of security. So the very act of asking Abraham, who represents Yeshua's bride, to leave what's familiar with her is going to cause her to feel insecure. It's going to cause her to feel uncomfortable. So therefore, in order for her to accept and say yes, it's going to require that she trust him. And biblical trust is called faith. But in order to give her encouragement to choose this walk of faith, a promise is going to be made to her. And this promise is in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing.
blessing. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I'll bless those that bless you and curse him that curses you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so the world will be blessed through and when Yeshua is dwelling with his bride, and we have the administration of God's government on the earth and the administration of his government for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. So we see here that Abraham personifying or representing the bride of Yeshua, she says yes to the invitation. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And here we see the bride of Yeshua accepting the invitation. And so the bride is called out of the world, the world system, the world's ways. And the world, the world system, the world's ways is personified in the scriptures as Egypt is personified as Babylon. In Revelation chapter 18, verse 2, it is written, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. In Revelation 18, verse 4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. So Babylon, the kingdom of darkness, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is going to be judged. And therefore, the God of Israel wants his people to not be a part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Babylon and the world's system. However, living in this world through the desires of the flesh and through the carnal mind and through the influences of our five physical senses, which Paul explained in Romans chapter 8 verses 7 and 8. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, The Journey of the Bride. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.